Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. Hopefully your Sunday has been going well so far. As we get set up here, we're going to take a time to pray. One of the things I would really encourage you to do while you're at home, though, is um, that you're praying to hear the voice of Jesus. Um, there's only so much I can give you in terms of a, uh, in, in terms of a lesson, in terms of illustrations. Um, hopefully, you're praying that you hear the voice of Jesus as we dig into his word. So let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you. Uh, thanks so much that uh, we get to uh, connect in this medium, uh, that we get to uh, come together and get broadcast all over the place. But God, thanks for, for giving us your word that doesn't ever change. God, I pray that uh, you will help us sink deeply into our hearts um, help us to see what you want us to see and to hear what you want us to hear. We really, we do ask that your Holy Spirit fills us. We do ask that your Holy Spirit guides us. Uh, whatever is in our hearts that are just keeping us away, Father, I pray that you just miraculously make those go away, uh, Father. And um, I do pray that every day we, we do hear your voice, that we do hear you calling us, directing us, guiding us. Uh, please allow us to join you in your work, Father. And thanks again for your word. I pray that it penetrates deeply into our heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we're starting, uh, this is a big week. Uh, traditionally, this is what would be called Palm Sunday. We would uh, uh, think about Jesus entering Jerusalem, and then we would go through um, with the week uh, ending on Easter Sunday, which is next Sunday. And we have some neat things planned for that. Um, but what I want us to do is to get our mindset really locked in, okay? One of, the, one of the most important things we can do with God's Word is, first of all, not read it as a spectator, all right? It's really easy to do that and to just gather information, but we really want to lock it in. We're reading the history of, of our people, but we're also being included into this. We're expected to live this out. We're expected to have this message penetrate deeply into our hearts. And so I want you to really lock your minds into what we're reading here. And we have a really, we have a great opportunity um, in this forum that we have because you can spread out wherever you are, hopefully, and open your Bibles, hopefully have a notepad because there are so many lessons. It doesn't matter what you choose in the teachings of Jesus. It doesn't matter what you choose. There are so many lessons and they can't be exhausted in 25 or 30 or 45 minutes. You could go on and on. And hopefully that's what we're able to do today is just to unlock some thoughts from the teachings of Jesus so you can take them and dig into them, discuss them with your family. Most importantly, um, it really ingesting them and letting them uh, really sink deeply into our hearts so we become the church that God is building and wants us to be. Um, sometimes we forget about that is Jesus didn't come down to earth and die on a cross and rise again so people would just be good and nice people. Is He was bringing together his church, his followers, um, to, uh, to really uh, dig into and live out a very specific purpose and mission. Uh, so turn in your Bibles over to Luke chapter 19. And we are going to be starting in verse 28. It's what's called, maybe your Bible has the heading, the triumphal entry. Um, just a little background. Hopefully, uh, one of the things that you challenge yourself with all the time is to be able to retell the story of the Bible. All right, to be able to not just be locked into to just hearing some familiar stories, but to get the flow of Jesus, to get the flow of his teachings, and really to be able to see the big picture because the way Jesus teaches is extremely dynamic. There's, he, he's not expecting us to get everything in one sitting, 
okay? He really is setting it up so we would learn throughout our lives and throughout time, not just in one lesson. Uh, So Jesus is making his way prior to verse 28. He's making his way closer to Jerusalem. He understands that his death is imminent. And if you can really, again, think about that, um, the anxiety and the fear, uh, the temptations that would be coming through Jesus's mind, knowing that any day coming up is, this thing is going to begin right here. And he actually runs through a very uh, a part of Jericho in, in a very familiar story. Many of us are familiar with the story of Zacchaeus. Sometimes we don't realize this happened right before uh, Jesus went into Jerusalem. But he did talk about Zacchaeus. You can read that on your own. It's a great story. But again, it gives us an idea of the frame of mind Jesus was in. We're going to start here in verse 28, though. So go ahead and read with me. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. You can read from any version you want. I just wanted to uh, let you know. So if the words are a little different than yours, that's okay. Uh, But we're going to start in verse 28 of Luke chapter 19. Um, After Jesus had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, He sent two of the disciples and said, Go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you'll find a young donkey tied there, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent left and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the young donkey, its owner said, Why are you untying the donkey? The Lord needs it, they said. You know, you have, to, you have to stop there for a second, not because we're getting into the meat of things, but put yourself in this situation. And different sermons and devotionals and talks have been given about this. But could you imagine Jesus saying to you, go into this village and there's going to be this donkey that's never been ridden on. Untie it. And the owner's going to ask you why you're untie. Why are you stealing my donkey? And they're going to just say the Lord needs it. And he tells them this whole story ahead of time. And it's really great because you can come up and find all kinds of little interesting points. But just very simply at its basic level, wouldn't it blow your mind? Wouldn't it blow your mind if you were that disciple uh, that you were traveling into this town and you're thinking like what donkey? What am I supposed to look for? How am I supposed to? And it's never been ridden. How are we supposed? And then you start untying a donkey. Hopefully you aren't going to be attacked. And the owner says exactly what Jesus said he would. Like, why are you tying this? Untying my donkey. And the disciples do something very interesting. They do exactly what Jesus tells them to do. All right, they don't stammer, they don't do anything. They just say, hey, he told us to say the Lord needs it. And apparently that was all it took. All right, um, so they found it. We're going to pick back up in verse 34. Uh, they said the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their robes on the donkey, they helped Jesus to get on it. As he was going along, they were spreading their robes on the road. Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives. And the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. The king, this is what they're saying right here. This is actually this next verse is from Psalm 118. Okay, It says, The king who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. Um, now, what's interesting about what the disciples are saying here in verse 38 is there was a section of the Psalms that the Jews would sing, particularly on Passover week. And those song, Psalms are 113, Psalm 113 through Psalm 118. And so it's interesting because this would be something very common that they are used to singing, but they're pointing it in the direction of identifying Jesus as the king that Psalm 118 is talking about here. 
Um, so he tells the guys, you know, you have Pharisees in the crowd and he tells them, listen, I can't keep my people from praising me and singing about me because if they were to stop, then stones would start doing it. That's how huge this was, right? And then in verse 41, and here's where we settle in and, and really look into this passage. As Jesus approached and he saw the city, so he approached Jerusalem. Um, and again, keep in mind the topography of the area we're talking about here. This isn't, we're not talking about just this flat ground. We're talking about this very kind of mountainous, uh, Mediterranean looking uh, uh, scenery and there's Jerusalem up on a mountain, all right? And so can you imagine Jesus riding this donkey and people are like praising him and he's looking up at the city and he knows that's where this is all culminating. His entire ministry is coming down to this. And he started weeping over it, all right? And so think about that. Think if you are walking alongside that donkey. Think about if you were walking alongside Jesus and you were looking up at Jerusalem. And, and, and for the Jewish people, this wasn't just a normal city. This was where God dwelt in his temple. Um, could you imagine you're looking up and just, this is really an amazingly dramatic scene right here. And you're walking along and you just catch a glimpse of Jesus and you just see him weeping. You just see him, and, and there are a couple of things that might go through your mind. You might think, well, is he weeping because he's scared about what's about to happen? Is he weeping because um, there's just this intense anxiety about what's going on? Man, Jesus, why are you weeping? But we get to an insight into Jesus' heart here. Uh, in, right after verse 41, it says he was weeping over Jerusalem. And this is what he was saying, and it's it's interesting because you got to picture yourself: was he saying this out loud for everyone to hear, or was he just kind of murmuring this lightly? But he said, he said, if you knew this day, what would bring peace? I mean, he's just kind of addressing this entire city that he knows can't hear him. But he's saying, if you knew this day, what would bring peace? But now it's hidden from your eyes. Right, And that's this idea, sometimes we ask ourselves like these super uncomfortable questions like, is God just concealing all of this and keeping it hidden from people? And no, it's the idea of Jesus knew the hearts of the people. He knew that their eyes weren't open. He knew that they weren't, the majority of people in this city he was going into, they had no idea of what they were about to see. And it was making him weep. And he said in verse 43, For the days will come on you when your enemies will build an embankment against you, surround you, hem you in on every side. They'll crush you and your children with, within you to the ground, and they'll not leave one stone on another in you because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. And so he paints this picture, and amazingly enough, this is actually what would happen to the temple in 70 AD. This is an amazing prophecy here uh, that sometimes we forget. Sometimes we just think of kind of prophetic teachings uh, in the Old Testament, but here Jesus is, is weeping because he's seeing, man, there's so much destruction that's going to happen, and, and he knows he's coming into the city with this message, and people aren't even going to recognize it. He said, you're not even going to be recognizing the time of your visitation. You're not going to be able to realize. You're not even stopping long enough to know about what's happening here. Um, turn over. You can hold your spot there for a little bit. Uh, but this isn't a new teaching of Jesus. This isn't him panicking going into town. This isn't him going, oh man, I forgot to... I forgot to teach these things. I forgot to let them know to be aware. I forgot to let people know about all these things. In fact, this was a teaching he had been teaching for quite some time. So turn over to Luke chapter 12. We're going to read a section here. And again, I hope it rings in our ears as if we were the original hearers of this, um, as if we were sitting around with Jesus. I always love thinking, you know, of, of sitting and hanging out with Jesus around a campfire. And it's just, you know, not super formal, but he's just teaching and he's teaching some extremely significant lessons. All right. And I think one of the things that we want to train ourselves to do consistently um, is that um, we want to slow down 
and to be thoughtful and to think through, you know, why is he telling us this? What does he, what does he mean by this? Um, so we're going to start in Luke chapter 12. We're going to read this. And again, these are just the words of Jesus teaching his people. And remember, in Jesus' mind, he wasn't talking about how can they become perfect like this very moment is in the ministry of Jesus, he was building a foundation that would become his church, that would become his people, that would go to the world and proclaim his name and to proclaim his gospel. So there was a very specific um, idea in Jesus's mind. What he, he wasn't just trying to get you to behave well. It's this foundation of becoming the people, his people that would go into the world. So Luke chapter 12, we're going to start reading in verse 35. And Jesus says this, Be ready for service and have your lamps lit. You must be like people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him at once. Those slaves the master will find alert when he comes will be blessed. I assure you, He'll get ready and have them recline at the table and then come and serve them. If he comes in the middle of the night or even near dawn and finds them alert, those slaves are blessed. But know this, if the homeowner had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Great story again. Uh, it can just be information. You might look at this and go, wow, that's really inspiring. Let's hear it as if Jesus was actually teaching it to us. And could you imagine Jesus coming to you? Could you imagine sitting around in a circle? And as Jesus is teaching this, remember, he's not reading it out of a Bible. He's just speaking, right? This is just his teachings. He's not looking into the Gospel of Luke to read this as a story. He's looking around at everybody and he's saying, hey, here's, guys, here's what I want you to do. You've got to be ready for service. You've got to have your lamps lit. You've got to, you know, and he's telling these stories and they're so realistic and true because at that time you understand what it means to be ready. And he starts telling this story of the servants who are waiting for their master to come in from the wedding banquet. And he said, blessed are those. And, and again, just picturing Jesus saying, Man, those servants are going to be blessed who they're waiting for their master. Okay, when he comes and knocks on the door, they've got their lamps lit. It doesn't matter if it's late at night. It doesn't matter if it's almost dawn. The servants need to be ready with a sense of anticipation. All right, I want you to ask yourself that now. Is this the normal line of thinking that you take with you through your day, when you go to work, when you're at home, when it's time to just kind of relax, when you're stuck in your home maybe, when you're, when you're at school, whatever it is, is there a sense of anticipation that's inside of you, an anticipation that you wanna know what, at some point Jesus will come back. And not anticipation from a standpoint of just fearfully, anxiously waiting in order to understand this story, you have to understand the character of the king or the master who's coming back. All right. This king, this master in this story, Jesus is essentially saying is him. Okay. And if we don't know who he is and what his character is, if we don't realize he's full of truth and grace, if we don't realize that he's the definition of love and compassion and empathy, then we are going to be anxious and nervous and fearful. If we just see him as a master that's going to come back who desires to punish us and, and, and can't wait to find us doing something wrong, we're going to be living as servants in a really strange way, okay? But we've got to read this and think about, okay, um, the master is going to come back. What do we want him finding us to be like? Okay, what does he want? If Jesus were to just kind of pop up, and who knows if he didn't have these kind of discussions, right, around with this group of guys and with a group of people around a campfire, if he didn't have these kind of discussions um, 
to really ask him the question is, you know, what if guys, I wasn't around, but I just popped up next to you. What would you want me find? What would we want? What would you want me to find you doing? All right. Do you, I, I would love, you know, I can see Jesus saying, I would love to come back and find my people just anticipating me and they're prepared for me. And they're actually like, they're engaged in the things that I've asked them to be engaged in. Okay. Cause that's important. Okay. Cause you think about, he's painting this picture of the servants of a home. So we're talking about probably not a home, probably not this little tiny, like one bedroom home. We're talking about like this large palace, so to speak, right? Because you needed servants. He needed people to take care of his property. He needed people to take care of this house, all right? And there were very specific things that the master does ask of his servants. Here's where we can mess up, I think, sometimes. In Christianity, and I don't know where you are. I mean, you may be watching this and you're thinking, I've hated Christianity since forever. Um, like, I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't want. And for some reason, you're watching this or you've been like going to church your whole life. Your parents have raised you and they've taught you the right way. And you think you're doing really, really well spiritually. I don't know where you are. But when we read this, it's really important to understand that Jesus has asked his servants to be engaged in specific like activities, to be taking care of specific needs, right? Here's what goes wrong, I think, with Christianity. Here's what what goes wrong with God's church is we can become very shallow in our knowledge and understanding of Jesus, and we live our lives trying to do things that we think He wants us to be doing. Okay. Let me explain that a little bit. Oftentimes, if you were to ask somebody just on the, you know, that you meet somewhere or that you see in church on a Sunday, and you were to, to ask the question, like, what do you think Jesus expects of you? Like, what does he expect of you as a person? Some people may answer, well, he just expects me to be in church each week. All right. Except it's very interesting because I think if we read every or each of the gospels of Jesus' life, I don't think we would leave from there thinking, okay, for an hour and a half each Sunday, what he really wants me to do is just to be locked in here and then that's fine, okay? Um, some, sometimes it's really easy to have these misguided uh, expectations where we think Jesus just wants like this hyper group of people who are just energetic and busier than everybody else and seeing who can do the most and seeing who can be the most tired and most worn out. And I don't see that necessarily either. We work hard for sure as a servant of Jesus. We're not called to be lazy and we're not called to be apathetic. We're called to be punctual and we're called to be intentional and thoughtful uh, but at the same time we don't want to just be busy for busyness sake okay and that's what happens with the church sometimes i mean sometimes we feel like the church should just have this never-ending calendar of things to be doing and then we all feel really good about ourselves when we do those things okay so this is really important here if the master would have come home and he opened the door and the servants let him in as they did here in Luke chapter 12. The servants let him in and the master was really excited because they had their lamps lit and they were anticipating it and they were alert. And he walks in and he sees that all of his furniture had been changed. They had replaced everything in the house. All right. And can you imagine the servants sitting there going, man, he's going to be so happy because we... We really made this room look nicer. We really did this special thing for him. And could you imagine the king, could you imagine Jesus saying, but I didn't ask you to change the furniture. And oftentimes what we do spiritually is we say, but we meant well, but we're really trying hard. And remember Jesus saying, but that's not what I told you to do. That's not what I told you to be. All right. And so it's very important that we dig into knowing what is Jesus calling us to do. All right. He isn't calling us to just be busy. He isn't calling us to just have a great podcast or he isn't calling us to uh, just even have a great quiet time in the morning. He isn't calling us just to be um, a great boss. He isn't calling us um, to just be busy and having a lot of like 
church events and activities, okay? So when the master came in this story, so essentially when Jesus comes back, he says, I want to see my people anticipating me, and I want them to have taken care of what I've asked them to take care of. And we're going to dig in a little bit more uh, in a few minutes, but let's read on a little bit here because he goes into another similar story. So in Luke 12, verse 41, um, Lord Peter asked, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone, right? And so (laughs) that's similar to us. Like, is this meant for us or is this meant for somebody else? Jesus, you know, and you can get an idea of Peter, like, Peter, you got to understand what I'm saying here. I'm telling this to you, yes, and I'm telling it to everyone else also. And then in verse 42, the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible manager his master will put in charge of his household servants to give them their allotted food at the proper time? One of my favorite things about the teachings of Jesus is he asks these questions that are meant for us to think through, uh, to, to really let our minds work through. So pay very close attention because it's almost like Jesus tells them the previous story. And then it's like he turns the magnifying glass on it. He's like, okay, let's look a little bit closer and maybe I'll teach you a little bit more here. But here's what I want you to think about, okay? Who then is faithful and sensible? Who are these people that his masters will will give responsibility to, to actually feed the servants at a proper time? He says this, who are those folks? In verse 43, he says, the slaves whose master finds him working when he comes will be rewarded. So again, very similar to that last section, right? Now Jesus is saying, okay, who's faithful and sensible, right? He's the one when the master comes in and he opens the door and he sees his guys even anticipating his arrival and he goes up and he says, hey guys, I've asked you to do something very specific. Are you doing that right now? In fact, the specificity of it is he says that his master asked these managers Um, to take care of his servants, to feed them at the allotted time. In verse 44, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, he'll put him in charge of all his possessions. But if the slave says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and starts to beat the male and female slaves and to eat and drink and to get drunk, that slave's master will come on a day he doesn't expect him in an hour he doesn't know. Okay, and so again, keep in mind here, in verse 45, he says, but if the slave, if the servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, right? Remember, this servant wasn't going around and saying this. It was shown in his life, though, all right? What he was saying in his heart was, My master's not coming back yet. I've got plenty of time. I can take care of what I need to at another time. Now, though, you know, I'm just really getting upset with the people that I'm here to serve. Um, I'm not doing what my master told me to do. I'm not taking care of the people he told me to take care of. In fact, what I want to do is to just kind of do my own thing. Um, I want to eat. I want to drink. I want to get drunk. I just basically want to indulge in myself, okay? And so that's a question. Again, when, when we leave here, when we're done with this message, when we're hopefully going back and digging through, I hope there's some words that you're circling and some sentences that you're paying very close attention to because verse 45 is a big one. He says, my, uh, but if the slave says in his heart, my master is delaying in his coming. Okay. And again, he's not, he's not broadcasting that out. He's simply saying, man, I'm going to do what I want to do right now because I think he's delayed. Okay. Then he gets into the bad news here, right? Uh, he says that he won't know that his master will come at a time he's not even expecting. Okay. And we live in a, in kind of a weird time where, uh, to a certain degree, we're strangely drawn 
to finding out exact times, like exact times that Jesus will come back, exact times, like do we live in the end times right now? Do we, do we uh, you know, is, is Jesus going to be, and we want to kind of get an idea, okay? Uh, but it's really interesting because the previous story uh, that Jesus told, he gave us this little snippet at the end. He said, you know, if the homeowner knew when his house was going to be broken into, then certainly he'd be ready. Okay. Like that wouldn't even really matter if you knew that someone was coming. Of course you would be ready. What the, what, what the real um, kind of uh, deep look into who you are as a person is, who are you when you don't know when Jesus is coming? Like, will he come right now? Will he come in a week or a month or a year? Are we living, his, is, is, are we as his church living in anticipation, taking care of what he's asked us to take care of? And he says, you know, when we start just doing whatever we want to do, however we want to do it, living with completely like no um, even thought of, the king coming back, he said, he'll come back at a time that's unexpected. Um, and he said, and uh, verse 47, or actually just we'll read verse 46. He says, that slave's master will come on a day he does not expect him and an hour he does not know. And they'll cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers, okay? And for a lot of you, at least some of you, you're going, that's why I don't read the Bible right there because there's just like this fear tactic. He's like, really? You're going to come back and you're going to cut him into pieces? Now, keep in mind here, he's not coming back and just like, just willy-nilly just cutting people into pieces. He's highlighting something about the seriousness of his purpose and the seriousness of his mission and the seriousness of what he's doing. Like this isn't, we're not just joking around. We're just not trying to be good people. He isn't telling his church to just go out and be really nice and really kind and just be like everyone else. There is a deeply radical calling here and there's huge repercussions to this. And he said that, um, uh, that he will cut him to pieces, assign him a place with the unbelievers, and that slave who knew his master's will and didn't prepare himself or do it will be severely beaten. But the one who did not know and did things deserving of blows will be beaten lightly. Much will be required of everyone who has been given much, and even more will be expected of the one who has been trusted, entrusted with more. Okay? That's another one. If you want to um, highlight or you're circling um, little sections here, this, this statement Jesus makes right here at the end of verse 48, much will be required of everyone who has been given much. I think we've been given a ton for sure. I mean, you talk about um, in the population of the world, um, it doesn't matter where we are in America right now, we have been given more than anyone else has been given, most likely. Um, in our worst case, in our worst situations here in America, they are better than probably 80% of the best case scenarios in many of the undeveloped countries in the world, okay? So this should be something that sticks with us. He's saying, guys, again, let's, let's slow down because we've been reading a bunch here. And remember, we want to remember Jesus wasn't reading out of a Bible. Um, Jesus was sitting here teaching his people. He was teaching the men and women that were sitting around him. He was telling them these stories. He was telling them these stories about being ready for service. Um, he was telling them these stories about um, he's, he's teaching us. And these questions should be ringing in our mind when Jesus says, who's faithful and who's sensible? Um, he's the one who, when his master comes home, he sees yeah, you know what? You've been doing what I asked you to do. You're not just doing your own thing or worse than that. If the master and the king, if Jesus were to come back and to see his church um, completely in chaos, to see the people that he's entrusted with his message abusing people and hating people and just indulging in everything that they wanted to indulge in, because simply 
we were too apathetic to care simply because we just felt like, you know, we've been on this earth for how long and Jesus hasn't come back. I'm going to gamble he's not coming back for a little while and I'm going to continue living my life. Okay, so again, just picturing, let's keep bringing ourselves back um, to picturing ourselves just sitting with Jesus, hearing his teachings, letting it sink in, taking some notes, okay, of really this idea of what are some things I need to take with me to think more about, okay? So here's what gets us into a little bit of trouble is um, finding out, like most of the time, most people I speak to, um, who go to church, who say they follow Jesus, are very unclear about what he wants us to do, what he wants us to be doing. In fact, there's a lot of ambiguity there, okay? And a lot of times that brings a lot of insecurity because we're trying to do what we think Jesus wants us to do. And the cure to this is we need to dig in and find out clearly what has Jesus clearly asked us to to do okay um again like i mentioned before you know i think it's it's so easy Um, most people i would say um would think what jesus really wants of his church is that they are just good people Um, i think oftentimes you may think well what jesus wants of me okay and and again using these stories as a backdrop okay so jesus as our king we're his servants we're anticipating him he says i want you guys to be alert when i show up and then he shows up and he's going to say are you doing what i asked you to do and our answer oftentimes is didn't you just want me to be good Um, i thought jesus what you wanted me to do was to be happy I thought that's what you wanted me to do. And we're happy. We've been like, yeah, we've torn your house up. Yeah, we've been kind of, you know, who cares about the rest of the neighborhood? But we're happy. Isn't that what you want? You know, there's some ambiguity there. Because oftentimes we just don't know with clarity, what does Jesus, what is our king asking of us, of his disciples, of his church? What are his expectations? Sometimes we just think, well, if I'm a helpful person, you know, here in the Southeast, um, there's a saying that is like the ultimate in judgment, okay? And that saying is this. He's a good Christian man. It's as if when that is spoken, we have judged that person with complete goodness and sent him on his way to heaven because he's a good Christian man. Oftentimes what we mean is, you know what? He was helpful. He was nice. He was kind. He gave of himself. Um, Everyone liked him. He wasn't a troublemaker. He was a good Christian man. What, What I've found is as I get older, man, I'm getting close to 50 and, um, you know, and, and then, you know, obviously, unless Jesus comes back and I don't get run over by a train, maybe I'll make it to 60 or 70 or whatever. Here's what I found about getting older. There are a lot of older people I know right now who are sweet, sweet people. I mean, they are kind. They are gentle. They are really just so pleasant to be around. And it's interesting because when they were in their teens or 20s or 30s, they weren't anything like that. Okay, and what, what do I mean by that? Um, is I think we look at people who have slowed down and who have kind of learned from life and they're just not argumentative and they're just kind of nice people. I think we think they've been that way their whole lives. And so we say, man, that's just a nice Christian person there. Okay. And we forget that they might not have been a nice person in their life. They just might be tired now. They just might be like just sitting around drinking coffee now. They just might be, 
you know, settled into their own routine. They're just kind of, they're just kind of nice. They're just kind of neat to be around. And I think that's what oftentimes we think Jesus wants is to come back and to see a bunch of older people lounging around, just kind of lacking energy and him looking around at the church and going, man, these are just good Christian people. And I think there's more to that, right? Um, He is saying, guys, I need you to be ready. I need you to be more than nice. I need you to be more than good. I need you to be so passionate about your king, okay? So clear about the king's mission and the king's purpose. Again, we've talked about this before. I rarely run into people who live um, and call themselves Christians and call themselves disciples who have actually gone out and helped other people become disciples, We oftentimes think that, well, that's the preacher's job. Or no, you're supposed to come and hear a sermon and be moved and go up and say a prayer and all those kind of things. And we're so confused as to our master, our king's mission, that people sometimes go the entirety of their life without ever thinking of helping someone become a disciple. And we forget this was Jesus's clear focus, okay? Earlier in Luke chapter 19 that we didn't read when he was talking to Zacchaeus, he told Zacchaeus a very clear mission statement. I have come to seek and to save what was lost. Okay, that's as clear as it gets. So when the king comes walking through the door and his church is waiting for him and they're anticipating and they're excited and they have their lamps lit and all of these things and he goes, Have you been taking care of what I've told you to take care of? And it wasn't cleaning the house and it wasn't making the beds as we think of sometimes with servants in a house. What he's telling us is, I have a message I'm giving to my servants that need to be passed on to others. I have my servants who are going to walk with people so that they get to know him, okay? Remember, our goal isn't to define our brand, like our brand at the Clemson Foothills Church, or to call people to me, or to be like one of us, or somebody, or some kind of dynamic personality, is what we're told to do by our king, as his servants, is to walk with people, and to help them know him and to follow him the same way we are. And so let me ask you and stop right there. If Jesus were to come back now, is that what he would find us doing? Okay. Now, again, I'm not saying to like frantically be running around like a chicken with your head cut off, but in everything we do in life, is it to that end? As we study our Bible, is it about knowing Jesus, loving him, enjoying him, following him, and as we follow Jesus, you want to know what he's going to keep telling us? Is, hey, look around you. Look at the people around you. Go and serve them like I'm serving you. Go and love them the way I'm loving you. Go and teach them the way I'm teaching you. He just doesn't want us to be nice people. Now, here's what's really cool. We've stopped here in Luke chapter 19, all right? Right there at the end um, as Jesus went in. And I want to call your attention that again, to Jesus's heart as he's moving his way towards Jerusalem and he just starts weeping and he just starts talking and he's just like, if you only knew, if you only knew that it was me coming, if you only knew I could comfort you, I could help you, I could I could be there for you, but you don't know. And can you imagine how moving that would be to see Jesus weeping? Um, and he's saying, they just didn't recognize. They just didn't, they didn't hear me as I was teaching them to be alert and to be ready, okay? And so there's a few things I think we can take from this. First of all, if me and you, if those who are claiming to follow Jesus or if you want to follow Jesus, if we aren't carving out specific time each day to just be settled, Um, Away from listening to music even, away from the TV being on, to just have this time set aside where it's quiet, where we're able to read the Word of God, but we're able more than anything, even as we read the Word of God, to be thoughtful of people, places, and times. Okay, I want you to think about that, that we're thoughtful 
oftentimes I think we may have a quiet time. You may read your Bible in the morning to get through with it. You may read it and think, I didn't get anything from it. Well, that's not what a student says. A student digs into the Word of God to get instruction on how I can love and enjoy Jesus and how I can go embark on his mission to help others. And unless I'm thoughtful about people, places, and times, chances are I'm going to live a very reactive life. I'm going to be running around hoping I'm doing what my king has asked me to do. Hoping like, oh, I hope if Jesus were to come back, I'm doing right now what he wanted me to do, which is, you know, whatever whatever good deed you might be thinking of, um, but being thoughtful. Who are the people you're gonna run into today? What are the places you're going to be? What about the times we live in? Have we been thoughtful enough to think about what are you teaching us, Jesus? Remember, as our king, he's our mentor, he's who we're following, he's who is our teacher, our eyes are fixed on him, not on circumstances, not on you know what's going to happen tomorrow with our quarantining and what's going to happen tomorrow with the coronavirus. It's very easy to get caught up in all of watching the news and reading articles. I do that. It's it, it, ridiculously unproductive to just be reading and reading and reading to find out, man, what's going to happen next? And it's so easy to get my eyes off of the face of Jesus. And what I want my posture to be is just, I want my eyes glued on Jesus and just asking him, tell me about these times we're living in. What do you want me to learn? What do you want your church to be like? Just open my mind, open my heart, open my eyes to know about these times. And and God, I'm going to be seeing these different people today. What would you want me to do? Like, how would you want me to be towards them? Um, And just acting in humility, living as humble servants. So when the king comes back, we're clear. We can say to Jesus, this is what you told us to be doing. You told us to love people the way you loved us, and that's what we're doing. And everything we do is about that. And you told us that that you didn't come to serve, but, but or you didn't come to be served, but to serve, and that's how we live as servants. Right? And you told us to go out and proclaim the gospel, and that's what we do. And you taught us how to pray fervently, and that's what we're doing. And you taught us to trust you and to step out of the boat, and that's what we're doing. We're stepping into discomfort and fear because we know that's what you're calling us to be. We know that you said this. And then what's cool is for the next week of Jesus' life after Luke chapter 19, for the next week, is going to be a lesson culminating um, the heart of Jesus' teaching, okay? For the next week, uh, these men and women are going to see something they've never seen before. They're going to see the extent, the distance that Jesus is willing to go. Like these teachings aren't just um, like suggestions. He's going to teach them over the next week that this is so important that he himself will be tortured and die. That's how um, important, that's how uh, just um, huge this is, okay? So the next seven days are gonna be amazing teaching moments for us, for Jesus' um, guys at the time, okay? They're gonna see the focus of Jesus over the next week. They're gonna see his determination they're going to see uh, his sacrifice. You know, that's that's one thing I just want to take a little side note on here. Um, you know, lots of people can do lots of good things and lots of people can do lots of good deeds and lots of people can be really nice when there's no sacrifice required, okay? Hopefully, one of the lessons we take from Jesus this week, this Easter week, is that we see that what he's calling us to do isn't just to do what what he wants us to do when it's non-sacrificial. He's asking us, no, I want want my church to be sacrificial. I want them to lay their life down. I want them to be ready and alert. I want them to um, to be on task 
even when it doesn't fit into what they want to be doing, right? And he's going to teach this lesson on what it looks like to sacrifice, what it looks like to follow God, even when you really, really, really don't want to. And if you haven't read that about Jesus in the garden, right, we're going to, we're going to talk about that this week in our podcast. Um, Jesus really was begging, God, please don't make me go through with this. And hopefully we're, we have the heart of learners, I hope. I hope we really have the heart of students and we really have the awe of Jesus as our king, um, that, that our king is the king of the impossible, that our king is the perfect teacher, that he's forming something inside of us, but it's going to require us to actually walk with him and listen to him and actually obey and do what he's asking us to do thoughtfully and intentionally. So this afternoon, uh, when we get to lunchtime today, or if you have a little meal after service and you're going to take communion at that time, um, I know a lot of you guys, you do a great job um, with your family or your roommates and you have a great discussion. Remember, um, the essence of what we're doing with communion um, is that we remember Jesus. We remember his death, his burial, his resurrection, um, his calling, uh, that we remember everything about Jesus, that we don't forget it, that we're very intentional. And so I would encourage you as we take communion to um, really have a great discussion. I think one of the things we're going to be doing that's a little different for our family is we're going to take a little communion prayer walk and then we're going to have a meal afterwards and just remember Jesus. Remember what he did. Remember what he is doing. Remember what he's calling us to do. Um, so one of the things I want to leave you with, though, um, is this. Um, what do you want? And I, I wrote this in terms just in my own, uh, it, for me to think about. What do I want Jesus finding me doing when he appears? What do I want him finding me when, when, when he comes back? Or if he were to pop right next to me, what do I want him uh, you know, to find me doing at that time? So, um, Let's, again, take some time to be thoughtful and, and intentional. Let's take some time every day. Let's be thoughtful and, and intentional about our people around us, places we're going, the times we live in. Um, let's have soft hearts, again, um, being students of Jesus. So I hope your Sunday afternoon is fantastic. It was great being with you guys. We love and miss you all. I can't wait till we're all back together. Uh, but I'm confident that God is going to be doing some really amazing and is doing some amazing things in our lives. Um, have a great Sunday. We'll see you guys next week.